welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Heller. You almost forgot it, didn't you? A hundred percent, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it felt like it. <laughs> um, coming to you on Friday, December 13th, just around 6.30 at night. Friday uh, so the 13th. Friday the 13th. It's very spooky here in December. Uh, so we haven't watched any of the NFL games, which uh, are going to be happening this weekend, which I feel is usually the case since we've been recording on Fridays a lot. But we uh, have a few football topics, have a few baseball topics, and uh, just chop it up a little bit. I'm all for it. Where do you want to start with this? Uh, I guess uh, we should start with uh, the big free agent signings in baseball. Uh, that's a really good starting point. So, of course, as is the nature of the show, big news broke moments after we finished recording, or a few hours. Uh, Garrett Cole signed an enormous contract with the New York Yankees, nine years, $324 million. Um, Corwin, what do you think? Uh, well, I haven't crunched the numbers to see uh, if it's a worthwhile contract based off of uh, cost per war, but I think it's uh, I think it's what the Yankees need to put them over the top. I think uh, their pitching, both starting and you know uh, relief pitching, is going to be absolutely insane in 2020. Um, and you know what? They're putting all their chips into the pot to try and win it all this year. And being the Yankees, I don't think this is uh, much of an overpayment. Yeah, that was very concise, and I agree with literally everything you said, which makes it kind of boring. Yeah, um, this is the first time that's ever happened, I think. Uh, it's around there. One, me being concise, and two, you agreeing with me. Yeah, if there's um, <laughs> if you had to give me, like, three... Oh, in general, if you said, give me uh, Yankees areas of need, the only mm. things I would have to say would be, like, true true ace starting pitcher because Sevy can be that um and when he's on he is that but he hasn't yet been that right. um backup I'm, catcher i have a question uh yeah. how long did like how many appearances did Sevy have uh after he came back from injury would you say last year yeah he had two just two appearances total uh, in the regular season, yes. Okay, but he pitched fine in the postseason. No, you know, reaggravation of injuries or whatnot. No, not not that I heard of. Last, okay. uh, he should be fully healthy. So that's that's a big thing for him going into next year because yeah, yeah, it's huge for the Yankees rotation too. Right. Because uh, I could see them wanting to get Cole Moore if you know Sevy had some lingering issues or whatnot, or if he didn't look like uh, the sharp self that he is. But um, that was such a stupid statement the sharp self that he is whatever but if he's healthy and good to go then you know more power to him for just really strengthening uh their rotation but please continue yeah uh, no no totally totally great interjection um i would say true a starting pitcher backup catcher and like maybe another bullpen arm just uh because apparently they're not re-signed Dylan Batasas, which makes me really fucking sad uh -huh. um well he they haven't thus far and yeah. find that weird because I love Dellen, and he's probably only he's apparently only asking for a one year deal, which you should sign anyone to a one year deal. It's a one year deal, especially Dellen Batantis, who's been with the organization for literally ever and is from the Bronx and loves the Yankees. But 
And also, also just happens to be really fucking good at baseball. So fuck. I was so sad that in 2019 he didn't play because he would have, um, I think, set the record for most um, relief pitcher seasons in a row with at least 100 strikeouts. Wow. He's done it every year of his career, except last year because he was hurt. That's huge. Yeah, he's fucking great. Um, you want to know something else? What? He's six foot eight. Yeah, he's really tall. Yeah, I know that because he's the only uh, player on the Yankees that I definitively know their jersey number. Yes, because he's he is six, six eight. Buddy. Yep, and yes. he's number sixty eight. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he made it easy for everybody. Um, but anyway, so that now that the Yankees have acquired Cole, their only true like quote unquote areas of need are like batch backup catcher and like a bullpen arm. Mm-hmm. And if the Yankees backup catcher is Kyle Higashioka, who's like they're like quadruple a guy like that's fine he's okay backup catcher is important but not that important point being yankees have spent a lot of time building up their farm system as the dodgers have as well i'll get to them in a second and they haven't spent a lot of money in recent years they have moved on from jacoby ellsbury eating some dead money but also saving some they spent money um not to get Giancarlo Stanton, but to maintain him since he is an expensive player on their roster. And there's been like small deals given out here and there. Guardy's re-upping of his contract, the Aaron Hicks contract we've talked about. But by and large, they haven't like spent Yankees level money on a single player. Payroll is high because they have a lot of contracts, but those contracts aren't really big outside of Stanton. So to see the Yankees spend this much money isn't a cool. huge surprise. And when it's the only thing that they needed, it just makes a lot of sense. So, and it's I, the Yankees. If, yeah, honestly, if Cole asked for ten years and three fifty, I they they would have given that to him too. Like, I don't think they would have cared. Like, oh yeah, what else do they need that they're going to spend this money that you're going to spend this money on? Nothing. Uh, fucking nothing. Like, yeah. I saw a bunch of people on like Reddit and Twitter being like, oh, of course, it's the Yankees just blowing a bunch of money on, not blowing, but spending a bunch of money to get the big name guy. Like, fucking fuck the Yankees for doing this and for being the Yankees. And it's like, when you're essentially one of the top three most valuable for- sport franchises in the world, why wouldn't you be spending all the money you can to get the best players at? you know, that sport in the world. Also, the thing that bothers me is like, is the thing that really bothered me was seeing salty angels fans being like, well, I wouldn't want him for that money. I'm like, you're not paying him. Why yeah. do you care? Like for fans of teams that have, have small payrolls, like, wouldn't you be thrilled if your team all of a sudden magically was valued the same amount as the Yankees and Dodgers and could spend that much money? Of course you would be yeah. as fun as it is seeing like your small market team, like, finagle their way to wins and connive their way to success you'd much rather a combination of that and you know actual fucking dollars so i I don't get the complaint i have two things on that one if the angels did sign him to the exact same contract every single one of those angels fans would be like holy shit we got him this is fantastic yeah Yeah. totally thrilled it has nothing to do with the contract and two, as a fan of a team that's broke as fuck and acts like it, if we signed Garrett Cole back for 320 or 300 whatever million dollars he signed for, 
I would be through the roof. I would be creaming my pants to see us finally spending money on players. Because currently, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to trade away the only good player we essentially have left. Uh, Austin Meadows? Uh, no. Uh, Tyler Glass now? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm upset that that didn't hit me at first, but uh, no, <laughs> fuck you. Um, yeah, this is just so. Which brings me to the Dodgers, I guess, since I brought them up, and I'll I'll just keep talking about them. Um, Corin, what have they done? Uh, honestly, I can't think of anything. Yeah, that that's the main complaint right now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, they've done Miss, fucking out on some of these big name free agents, you know. They walked away from the winter meetings, and I'm genuinely not sure they did anything. Are you oh, sure signed, that they went to the winter meetings? They signed Blake Trinan. That's what they did. That's the one uh, thing that they did. They signed that one-year, $10 million deal for Blake Trinan. Which is big hit or miss. Yeah, it's, uh, again, one-year deals. Everyone should always take a one-year deal as a team because mm-hmm. it, it's no risk for you. to lose. Yeah, you got nothing to lose. So, I, I, all right. So, the current G, GM of the Dodgers used to be the GM of the Rays. And so, it makes you wonder like, does he think that he is he so averse to spending based on history that he's trying to avoid it with his current team? Is this coming from the owners who wanted to pocket more money and thought, well, hey, let's bring in the guy that managed to operate on a budget of five cents? And have him basically operate on those same budget constraints, uh, and then we just pocket the difference. Or do they just genuinely think that, like, you know, we won a uh, hundred games last year. The team's the same, outside of a, a few small differences. We don't need to change, and we're not going to break the bank to do it. Where where do you think that they lie in that spectrum? Because it's got to be one of the three. Yeah, I think they're essentially, I think they still, in the back of their minds, know that they could spend this money. I think it's just them trying to be smart with their contracts. Like, they don't want to be, I don't know, like the Red Sox, where they spend all of their money on major, you know, free agent contracts and uh, big time players and kind of run out of room to spend or at least have bad contracts that it's hard to get out of. Um, I don't know. I think they're trying to be smarter with their money, especially with their uh, front office moves. But at the same time, the same deal with the Yankees, they're the Dodgers. They could afford to spend this money and they should be spending all the money that they can. So I don't, I think they're trying to be smart about it, but I don't think they need to be at this point. I'm wondering, I'll actually propose a fourth option. Because I was thinking about it as you were just talking. Um, I wonder if the Dodgers just don't fear anyone in their division to push them into spending. Because the Padres are getting there, but they're not there yet. The Mm -hmm. Diamondbacks had a weirdly decent season last year, but no one should bank on them. The Rockies are a basement dweller to mediocre team. Um... Depending on the year, trying to trade Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado, which is confounding, is insane to me. They just gave him a massive contract, and he's the best player on the team and the face of the franchise. Whatever. Um, And who else is? Oh, and the Giants suck. 
because they're in the middle of a rebuild. So they don't have anyone to worry about beating the division out um, uh, from under or from over, whatever, right now. So there's no one pushing them to spend their dollars. So maybe they're hanging on to their dollars in the short term to where if the Padres like are good, not this upcoming season, but next season, the Dodgers would be like, all right, now we actually have to like scrape a little bit. Let's go in on, I don't know who's a free agent at that point, but like, let's make this the year we like start to really tack on talent because now we actually need it. Mm-hmm. So essentially they're being the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. The West. Like, basically. Because the Indians, Indians were avoiding spending the past couple of years because <laughs> AL Central is dog shit. Um, and, you know, up until the Twins turned into the Twins of 2019, there was really nobody pushing them to even compete for the, you know, lead in that division. Yeah, you're right. No, I actually completely forgot how much we talked about that last year. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, maybe they're, maybe since they're uh, trying to go after Francisco Lindor that they're just trying to put all their chips into that right now because maybe they, the free agents they were trying to talk to just weren't interested in coming to L.A. for whatever reason or whatever reason there could be that they weren't going to you know hit these home runs with free agency. They're just trying to say, all right, let's not spend a ton of money because you know if we – try and trade for one of these players like Francisco Lindor. We're going to need capital for whatever reason. Maybe sign him to a new deal. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a pretty good guess as well. Because especially at this point, at this point, the Dodgers, if they make any signings right now, it's going to be, um, unless it's Josh Donaldson, they're going to, they're going to be like, you know, uh, depth pieces mm-hmm. and plug and play players. It's not going to be anybody where it's like a big difference maker, but yeah. you're right. Trades, you know, if they trade for Francisco Lindor or for Corey Kluber or for David Price or for whoever, um, that I guess would I would also guess would be the route that they that they would take. Mm-hmm. Um, how mad would you be if they traded for Mookie Betts? Uh, if they traded for Mookie Betts, I I would be you know annoyed that. That let me rephrase that. I would be annoyed <laughs> that uh, Boston would be trading away Mookie Betts, you know, more than the Dodgers trading for him. It's the thing. I'd be bothered by the whole thing from both ends. I'd be yeah. annoyed that the, that the Red Sox traded them, um, even though it would make the Yankees' lives easier. Right? Um, they shouldn't do that. And I'd be annoyed that the Dodgers are the team that got them. Yeah, like it's like it. It's just like a balancing beam, I guess, or a, what's it called—a teeter totter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if yeah. they trade for Frankie, though, I will be, I will be fucking devastated. How would you feel if the Dodgers got Francisco Lindor and the Padres got Corey Kluber? Um, I would be upset if it was Mike Clevenger or uh, Carlos Carrasco. I would be far more upset just because those guys are just so much more lovable. Um, Cookie being, you know, one of my favorite players in MLB. And Mike Clevenger just being one a beast and two also extremely lovable. Um, Kluber's a robot, so you know emotions can stay out of that one. Also, didn't Kluber actually start his career in in San Diego? I have absolutely no idea, but I will look it up. I'm pretty sure he got traded from San Diego to Cleveland. 
Well, why would they want him back? You can't undo trades. You can't be a negger. Come on. You gotta. Oh, you know. uh, Now they're competitive. They were just. They were just loaning him to him. To them. (laughs) That's like ten year loan. Uh, He is always pitched in Cleveland. Um, where would you list trades? I don't know why in my mind he because I I really don't think yeah. He was drafted by uh, the San Diego Padres in the fourth round of the 2007 Amateur Draft. Bang, bang. Uh, the Indians sent Jake Westbrook and then part of a three-team uh, tr- three deal. Uh, the Padres sent Nick Greenwood. Um, and then the Cardinals sent Ryan Ludwig. So a bunch of nobodies. And, uh, and, then, and then Corey Kluber. Our and man. Corey Kluber. Um, the other, uh, as long as we're talking about West Coast teams, the other big free agent, the the third biggest free agent, which feels foolish to say, uh, biggest position player free agent, Anthony Rendon, also off the board, signed um, the day after Garrett Cole for the exact same amount as Steven Strasburg, uh, but he did it with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Seven years, $245 million. Um, that is an, uh, that's a, it's a great deal for him and it is a good move for Anaheim because their team got better, but it's a confusing team for Anaheim because that's not where they most needed their team to get better. In my mind, this was a, all right, they had all this money set aside for Garrett Cole and I'm sure uh, the front office did not want to, you know, end up coming out with nobody. Uh, yeah. What? Like the Dodgers. Oh, like the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, I thought I said the Dodgers at some point. Um, so they basically just were like, all right, Rendon will make our team better, a lot better, and is really going to push us towards the playoffs. Let's put this t- money towards him. Yeah, it has a little bit of the panic feeling that like the Yankees had when they didn't uh, get Robinson Cano because um, you know he signed his free agent contract with with Seattle, and then they took all that money and said, "Uh, uh, uh, Jacoby Ellsbury," um, except that Anthony Rendon is a significantly better baseball player yeah. than Jacoby Ellsbury ever was. Um, like, no, it's just. This is a really good. He's he's great offensively. He's great defensively. There's mm-hmm. no downside to signing Anthony Rendon. I um, I have no qualms with this contract or with this signing, as long as they follow it up by signing pitchers like Dallas mm. Keuchel is still out there, Tuki Toussaint still out there, who would be like a really? shut. Yeah, and he'd be such a great contract for them because he would cost uh, nothing. basically nothing, and is a huge upside guy. Like oh yeah. And if you can just at least get them to hit ground balls, their infield defense is phenomenal because the the left side of that infield is now Rendon and Simmons. And then their right side of the infield is like Tommy LaStella and whoever they want to play at first base, doesn't matter. Like, that's a really good infield defense. So Dallas Keuchel, Tuki Toussaint, um, Hunjin Ru, if they want to get risky with it, like, if they signed all three of those pitchers, who all three of which could probably get signed to pretty team-friendly deals, like, wow, all of a sudden they have at least four people in that rotation with Andrew Heaney, 
And is that a great pitching staff? No, kind of a weird one, but it's definitely not a bad pitching staff. It'd be the yeah. best pitching staff that they've fielded in like a decade. So I think uh, I think Dallas Keuchel would definitely be a safe pick for sure. For uh, sure. Tukey, I think you're right. Definitely has a ton of upside. His numbers so far, uh, granted, in not a ton of appearances last year, uh, only 41.2 innings pitched in 2019, 29, and 2018. Numbers aren't great. Uh, advanced, advanced stats, excuse me, are also not super great. Um, but man, he he'd be a pitcher who could come in and hopefully breathe some life in a very boring pitching staff so far outside of Shohei Otani. Um, so I'd be all for it. Yeah, plus he's he young. Both. He, he wouldn't. Uh, yeah, for sure, he wouldn't cost much, and it's a it, the Angels are a team without a starting rotation or a good bullpen. Like he'd get innings. Right. Like, like you, you at 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 some level. The Angels need someone who can competently pitch innings, and I think that I I still believe in a, a, a degree in Tuki Toussaint where he could provide something. Yeah. Or, or wait, am I thinking of Tuki or Julio Teheran? Am I thinking of both? Are they did they both uh, get not signed by the Braves? Yeah, Tuki is the young upside pitcher. Julio is the old, not upside pitcher. He's yeah. a better pitcher for sure, but um, at least so far. But he is not someone. He's like a number four or five starter for a competent well, team. A number four, number five starter on a different team. Um, he might be a number five starter on a different team, but he'd probably be like number three starter on the Angels. Yeah, I know what their uh, starting rotation looks like, so I'm going to look it up. Um, I think it's whoever buys the ninth ticket to the game that day. <laughs> It's like a call-in at a radio show. <laughs> that would be fucking fun. If like a minor league team like uh, in Brockmire had that thing going, that would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Actually, they signed Dylan Bundy, so they, they are putting, you know, they're trying to sign upside guys. Oh, yeah, taking Dylan Bundy from the Orioles. No, Listen, that actually is a low-key decent yeah. sign. I like that signing. So their rotation right now is Andrew Heaney, Shohei Otani, Dylan Bundy, Griffin Canny, and I want to say Pablo Sandoval, but it looks like it's Patrick. That's yeah. significantly less fun. Um, that's not a great rotation. No. At all. I mean, they have, you know, Heaney, Otani, Bundy, Canning are okay. They don't have a top guy and that's not great. Like he if need, all of these guys moved down once. Yeah, absolutely. Otani could be that superstar guy if but he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Yep. Bundy, a hundred percent a Jacqueline Hyde player. Uh and then Griffin Canning is really too young to really say definitively what he is. I mean he had a good season last year. He didn't have a great one. Um and I definitely think he will improve, but it it could be rough. There could be some growing pains. Yeah, I. The more I think about it, the more I think that a trade for David Price would make so much sense for them. Yeah, who would they have because to trade White though? Looking to, uh, well, it had to be someone. I don't think they'd have to trade Joe Adele because they wouldn't. 
And I don't, I don't, I'm saying I also don't think that they'd have to because I think the Red Sox, one of their main interests in trading David Price would be getting rid of the $30 million per year they owe him for the next three years. Like That would right. bring them down so much against the luxury tax that they'd probably take like a whatever prospect just to get David Price off the off the books. And mm-hmm. then he would immediately become the ace of the Red Sox, of the uh, of the Angels. And again, a lefty in that stacked defense is going to be fine. Yeah, I mean the Angels don't have the deepest set of prospects on their uh, you know, in their farm system. They have some top guys that they could use if they need to, like Brandon Marsh or Jordan Adams, but looking through their prospects, it's not exactly uh, deep. Yeah, but again, I don't think it would need to be. No. Ooh, they could they could send over um, whoever, whatever infielder they want the least to play first base for the Red Sox because the Red Sox have no one who plays first base. Uh, do they really not have a single first baseman? They don't have anyone good. Who's yeah, their first baseman? Send them Pujols. Don't know. <laughs> They're not gonna. They're not gonna trade away David Price's thirty million to take on Albert Pujols' twenty-one million, twenty-two. Uh, I think it's like twenty-five. It's it's more than it should be because we just talked about it. Yeah. Uh, they got Matt Chavis at first base, or Michael Chavis. Ma- sorry. Ma- oh yeah, Michael Chavis. Um, uh, but he like, I don't believe in him. Really? Yeah. Are you saying that as a Yankees fan or a baseball fan? I'm saying as a baseball fan, I, I don't I don't buy into him as a as a as a player. That's fine. I don't have a reason for it. But wow the the Red Sox have four starting pitchers and the, on their forty man roster. Or who are 20, they? Twenty five uh, man Chris roster. Chris Sale, David Price, Eduardo Rodriguez, and I know you know the Nathan Evaldi. Yep. Wow. I don't know. Hey, it was Rick Porcello who signed that one-year $10 million contract with the Mets. Yeah. I don't, again, it's a one-year deal with for $10 million, so I feel like that could be a bargain. But at the same time, anyone signing Rick Porcello is just kind of like a mess. Desperate. Yeah. He does have a Cy Young, though, that he earned fair and square. Yes, that he, te- he technically, <laughs> technically has a Cy Young award. <laughs> People, no one acknowledges it, but he technically has one. Um, do you want to talk about the NFL, or do you want to do you want to stay with with baseball for a bit? Um, because I'm curious as what anything else in baseball that we could talk about. Well, we have the spreadsheet guy, but we could, that can always be saved for later if we, if yeah. we don't get to it. Um, sure, we could talk about football for a bit. We don't have too much. Uh, let's start with um, let's start with the more inflammatory one. Uh, the Giants have had some issues today, recently. Yeah, they've had quite a bit. Yeah, well, most recently they had to cut a player for uh, calling someone on Twitter retarded. Wait, what? I didn't see that part. You did that? Wait, you didn't see that part? No, I just saw that they released him. Yeah, no, they they had to release um Jordan Jenkins because he called a guy on Twitter, I believe, during a game, retarded. What? Yeah. On Wednesday, Jenkins called a critical fan a quote-unquote retard. Oh, sorry, it was talking, practice then. Yeah. Talking exception when taking exception to the question about why the stats Jenkins was using to showcase his effectiveness weren't contributing to victories. 
That's fucking great. So this fan was basically like, all right, you're talking the talk, but like, if you're so good, why does your team fucking suck? Yeah. So the like Jordan Jordan Jenkins had, had posted um, uh, just like some of his own stats. And like they they're good because you know they were relatively good from what I can remember. I, I'm I'm struggling to think about to recall. The it. only the only but, stat that I know off the top of my head is that he is the only cornerback or defensive back on the Giants roster to hold um, the opposing quarterback to a passer rating below a hundred or below a hundred and ten um, on the entire team. That's a very sad mark. That's not great. Yeah. No. Uh, but anyway, um, so he, I have it right here. He, he, he posted, um, 14 PBUs. I don't know that. Oh, pass breakups, pass breakups, four INTs, 50 total tackles, three TDs given up in week three. I, I think he means since week three. Talk about that. Dot, dot, dot. And then some guy, uh, at the goat life. Replied, how many of those stats contributed to any wins? Hashtag none, hashtag irrelevant. And then Jordan <laughs> Jenkins um, quote retweeted that, and his retweet says, I can only do my job, dot, dot, retard. And um, the Giants then released him. <laughs> Yikes. Which, um, he's, which he was like, uh, really be- best news all day or some shit like that. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> Granted, the use of that word is not condoned by this podcast, and no, it's awful for him using context. it. Yeah, but man, this is fucking funny. Now, um, so now his, let's break this down. Um, do you want to do you want to know his stats uh, this year before? We, oh, uh, absolutely, yes. So he started all thirteen games. Uh, he has been targeted seventy-eight times uh, and That's has a given lot. up. 42 completions, so a 53.8% completion percentage, which is very good. Um, he's given up 503 yards, basically 12 yards per completion, uh, with three touchdowns and a 65.3 passer rating, which is, by all means, pretty good uh, yeah, just, for a 31-year-old running back. Yeah. Uh, he has four interceptions. Um no other major stacks. Nine missed tackles for a 14.3% missed tackle rate, which for a quarterback is, isn't is terribly high, but it's not exactly good. So he's having like a decent year on a shitty team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... <sighs> to break this down, Jordan Jenkins, as we just said, decent year. Bad team. Janoris he, Jenkins, not Jordan. Sorry, oh, sorry. I always do that to him. Janoris Jenkins. Uh, you can understand his frustrations because it's tough to be recognized for playing well when your team sucks. Yeah. Everyone's experienced this on some level. It happens in every single sport. Um, tough to get recognized when your team sucks, especially in football where your team is gigantic, full of people. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to talk about the bad than the good, especially when the entire team is bad. And you also probably hate it as a player when you're playing well and your team sucks and people are telling you to shut up when you're talking about how good you're playing because your team sucks, even though that has nothing to do with you. We see this a lot with quarterbacks. 
Um, we've seen a lot of like guys like Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mike Trout, love the fish, yep. man. Always great team, always bad. So uh, it's frustrating because he's doing literally everything he can, and his team's just like, no. But <laughs> what you shouldn't do is you shouldn't go using derogatory remarks on dumb fans that you will never actually have to deal with in your life. And I'm willing to bet Janoris Je- Yeah, I got that one right at the time. Janoris yes. Jenkins did it because doesn't give a fuck right now. Doesn't give a fuck. His team is what? 2-11? and 11? Um, I think so. I Getting cuts and upgrade up for him right now. They are 2-11. and 11. Yep. He does not care. Man. He doesn't. His... Uh, his Twitter is fucking hilarious. Finish your thought, then we could go into it. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, like, his life just got better, right? Uh, the yeah. Giants are still going to have to pay his contract. He'll get paid vet minimum from somewhere else to play on what can only be a better team. Yeah. Like, his life just got better. Man, like... His his Twitter is fucking funny. Um Yeah, so he he talks a lot of shit on Twitter. Um he's so he's been tweeting. This was December 11th. We still haven't given up a touchdown since week 3, 14 pass breakups, four interceptions, 50 total tackles, three touchdowns given up in week 3. I assume that's in week 3. Uh talk about that. Ellipses. He still hasn't deleted the tweet where he says, "Only I can only do my job, retard. Uh, yeah, it's then, still fucking there. And then someone called him out for you know talking shit, and he says, because I'm grown up and I speak facts. Um, man, you funny for that. And then he says, my apology for the word I used earlier really didn't mean no quote-unquote harm. Hashtag labbit. Sorry, rabbit love everybody. Um, and then Pro Football Talk was tweeting at him or like tweeted a story about him. And then he says, lol, y'all funny, funny. I just sit back and laugh at y'all. He can't spell for shit, by the way. This is fucking hard to read. Like I'm yes. bad with words generally, but this is difficult. Um, and then as soon as the Giants released him, he tweeted, best news ever. Thank you. Yeah. Because his life just got better. It did. Ah, uh, man. The Giants are a fucking shit show. I, I just want to say, I really think we should be looking up players' Twitters more when we talk about them because it's it's really funny. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not opposed. Yeah. Um, just real quick to transition back into the Giants. Um, mm-hmm. did, I can't... I, if you told me at this point in the season... The Giants are going to be a bigger dumpster fire than the Redskins. I'd be shocked. Yeah, because they are right now, aren't they? Yeah. Like, because not yeah, only are not both good. teams really bad, but the Giants are also like constantly surrounded by controversy, which is a pretty typical New York thing. But so are usually the Redskins because their owner sucks and their coaching started off like with a huge firing in the beginning of the season and. Players are usually unhappy, but like it's been like all quiet on the Western Front over there. 
Whereas the Giants have been a media storm every week because of how perplexing they are as a team and how shitty their ownership is. Yeah, I mean, the, the, just looking at stats, the Giants are currently better uh, in total yardage. Uh, they're ranked 26th right now with 4,055 yards. The Redskins are dead last with 3,411. Um, wow, they're actually better. Oh, sorry, that was passing offense. Uh, where is defense? Scroll, 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 scroll. If you want to keep talking while I figure this out, Point being, you'd think that this year, being the rebuilding year, it would be a quiet bad year. You know, like the Giants would be bad, but they'd be like rebuilding, and like you were seeing how Daniel Jones does, and like yeah, they're bad, but like they're not trying to be good. So here's the positives, and here's where they still need to improve. But they're bad, and a story about being bad, which is not good. Like if you're going to be bad, do it in a way that's like progressive and helpful like the padres were two years ago they're just a shit show they're just a shit show yeah i mean it sucks that they're in new york because everything is just getting you know magnified because of the media there uh at least they've settled down with daniel jones and the only reason eli's starting is because of injury not because they're flip-flopping but the rest of the team is just it's not good um so just looking at defense, the Giants are ranked 28th, giving up 4,892 yards. Meanwhile, the Redskins are 20th, giving up 4,678. Um, you got to expect that the coaching has to change for next year. Um, I just don't think Pat Shermer's the guy for this team. I don't think he was the right pick in the first place. I think he was kind of a a settle for the giants i mean it's the new york giants you could land one of you know the top coaches any given year just because of how prestigious of a job it is uh the market everything surrounding it i what's your opinion on that which is important yeah they're Um, not the knicks they're not owned by james dolan well not no not even that because the rangers job is very is still pretty prestigious even though that team's owned by james dolan too uh what i mean by that is the Giants have won recently, relatively mm. speaking, and they haven't been a dumpster fire like the Knicks have been uh, up until like the past few seasons. So it's not like the Knicks where it's like, all right, not only do you have all the pressure that comes with playing in New York already, but you also have all the pressure of taking this dying, fledgling franchise that cannot seem to get uh, two steps put together before they fall down and turning it around under massive scrutiny. You'd be taking over a team that's like, no, no, this team tends to be good. They're just going through a rough patch right now, which is a much different scope. Um, it's way, way easier, uh, at least I would imagine. So they actually have that going for them, but the problem is no one fucking cares because their ownership is proving to be on par with the Knicks, which is a shame. Uh, yeah, it's... um. It's just going to be a huge question mark what they do going forward, and I don't think they have any answers. It's yeah, it's it's not pretty. Um, I will ask you this though: in the how many games have they played? Uh, oh, you idiot! Thirteen, right? Yeah, I, I was looking at the wrong thing. Uh, all right, so how many of their 
losses or wins? How many of their games have been uh, one-score games? Three. Three. So I am looking through it now. Um, six. Really? Yeah, so just about half. A um, little under half, but you know we, we can round whichever way we like. Yeah. Um, they won by one point against the Buccaneers. They lost by six to the Cardinals. Lost by five to the Lions. Uh, lost to the Jets by seven. Lost to the Bears by five. And lost to the Eagles by six. Their other games kind of turned into blowouts because uh, otherwise it was not close. Um, but yeah. Oh, fucking go figure. <sighs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where one score games, wins or losses tend to fluctuate a lot year to year. Um, so they could just have gotten, you know, extremely unlucky. Uh, like their loss uh, a couple weeks ago to the Eagles in overtime was a killer. Um, I do expect them to improve a lot next year if they could bring, you know, a coach that's not Pat Shermer in. Or if you know Pat Shermer can work out some issues that he's had this year with so many things, um, but they're not—they're not a garbage fire. Like you know, I know we were talking about them being one, but I think we might have you know. I think we're just kind of piling on them. I—I kind of want to you know reel it back in a little bit. I don't. I—I th- think I think they're the flip-flop version of the Seahawks where a lot of their games are close but that's because their Seahawks are up early and then play a lot of prevent defense and right. don't need to score so much in the in the latter parts of the game whereas the Giants are down early and are desperate for points mm-hmm. and other teams let them have them in exchange for burning out clock time right so I will say their offense is kind of what I was referring to as far as you know being better next year significantly their defense definitely needs a lot of work uh going into next year i yeah, think the defense is gonna be the big problem i genuinely think they are uh a superstar wide receiver away from having a very good offense uh i don't huh. know where they could get one of those but uh. well let's talk about it because uh you know this is a rumor for a few weeks now, so this isn't exactly news, but it's been talked about it a little bit more recently. So Odell Beckham Jr. wants uh, out of Cleveland. What what a segue, Josh. I applaud you, sir. Thank you. Um, the superstar wide receiver that the Giants got rid of because, well, we don't, still don't, don't know. know. <laughs> um, <laughs> best player on the team <laughs> and uh, let him go. Hey, so, Saquon was on that team. You watch him. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you are Odell, or no, if you're the Browns, nah, I'm going to rephrase this entirely. Where makes the most sense for um, Odell to be traded to? Ooh, outside I'll of the Giants? The, because yes. the, the Giants are definitely number one. I'll start with the obvious one, the Patriots. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, because that's that, where every star wide receiver gets traded to. That would be pretty huge, uh, for sure. Um, man, I gotta, I gotta think. Like, he would definitely fit in well in New England, just because he's a star, and their receiving core has, you know, been brutal with injuries and with Tom Brady, you know, regressing quite a bit this year. 
Um, I think Oakland would be a good fit for him. Um, man, I'm trying to think. Like, I want to think of this without having to go through like rosters and seeing like what the top wide receivers are. Um, why don't the Rams just give up their uh, their 2023 first round pick and uh, take him on? Man, it's it's fucking funny that they have invested so like I know we talked about this, but like they have invested so much and they have gone nowhere. Like they went to a Super Bowl and they were so close and they just look so far now. Like they look so lost. Yeah, they do not look uh anywhere near a dynasty, which Ooh. is exactly what they were going for. You know what team I would love to see Odell on? The what? Bills. Because uh, the Bills have nobody. I hate that. <laughs> I know you do, but he would be a good fit there. Um, I could see the Cardinals wanting him. Let's see. Let's just scroll through I here. I also could honestly see the Jets wanting him. Yeah. What about the uh, What about the Eagles? So I was thinking about the Eagles as well as the Cowboys, and I think the problem is that both those teams don't feel a wide receiver away. Mm, both yeah. those teams feel like they have more endemic issues than wide receiver. Are you referring to the Eagles and the Jets? Uh, Eagles and Cowboys. Eagles and Cowboys, okay. Uh, I don't think he would fit well on the Cowboys, or like I don't think that would be a huge need for them just because they – they have Amari Cooper there as their number one. I feel like Odell being Odell would just be quite offended if he didn't become the wide receiver one, even though Amari's been so good there. Um, but yeah, I think the, the Eagles, they have bigger issues on defense uh, with their complete lack of cornerbacks. But what about, I mean, um, what about Denver? Um, for for Drew Locke, he could, he could help, as in they would trade. Oh, for Drew Locke. Okay, I don't know. I feel like Denver is pretty content with Cortland Sutton. I think Odell would definitely add a different dynamic edge to that. Um, but again, I feel like they they kind of have bigger needs than wide receiver right now. Um, that's fair. Let's see. I'm just scrolling through. <laughs> I know. This would be crazy, but if the Saints tagging him up with Michael Thomas, oh, I know I just talked about the the Dallas Cowboys not being a good fit because they have a wide receiver one, but Dak Prescott is a different quarterback than Drew Brees, and I think putting him on a team with a clear shot at winning a Super Bowl this year, like the Saints would, that would be fucking cool. Um, yeah, I know, like the Raiders, the Ravens could. A lot of teams would be a lot better with him. Like, again, the Packers. The Packers have nobody outside of Devontae Adams. If they just had, you know, two wide receiver sets with Devontae Adams uh, and Odell Beckham on the outside, maybe three wide receiver sets with, like, uh, MVS on the, in the slot, that would be fucking cool to see. And then uh, I think the only other team with major wide receiver needs would be the Jags, but... I don't think I want to see him with Gardner Minshew. I want to see him uh, with a, a superstar. Yeah, plus the Jaguars also have a lot of issues. 
Yeah, uh, wide receiver is not their top one right now. I don't think. No. Um. Do you, so obviously nothing can happen right now because the trade deadline is well past. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think he's going to get? And you going to? Do you think he'll get moved in the early off season? No, I don't think he will. No, you think he's, he'll stay in Cleveland? No, I think John Dorsey is going to be like, "You're going to fucking stay here. We're going to be better next year. We, you know, we we're a rebuilding team. We're still in that rebuilding process. We're going to get better every year." You're not gonna bail on us after one rough season. Okay, I like that take. Hopefully, it's true because I kind of want him to stay in Cleveland, even as a Steelers fan, because there's just so much potential there for that team to be fucking great with him there. Um, and I kind of want to see some of that realized, just as a fan of football. Like yeah. that, that offense could be, be good so once. dynamic. Yeah, they do need to be good once. Just once. Uh, I'd be fine if they just plummeted after that. Honestly, if you gave me a Browns like thirteen and three Super Bowl season and then like went back to them being terrible, I'd be so thrilled. And I think everyone in the city of Cleveland would agree. Oh yeah. I think I think the Browns would trade an eternity of suffering for a Super Bowl win. Well, Lord knows they've already had that. Yeah, <laughs> they filled out their end of the bargain. Um. All right. Do you really do you have anything else? Uh, Devonta Parker was uh, Devonte Parker was signed uh, to a four-year, forty million dollar extension by the Miami Dolphins. Interesting. How much of that's guaranteed? Uh, don't think it says here. Uh, twenty-one point five. Okay. That's a good contract. That's, that's in the next two years. Is that doesn't make any sense because that's more than what he would make in the next two years. Uh, oh, sorry, twenty one point five in twenties with everything fully guaranteed the next two years. So basically, this is a a two year twenty million dollar contract. Oh, that's bad. Um. Can you hear me? This sucks. Joshua, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Ooh, I can hear you now. It did that thing where I have to go in and select the thing that's already selected again. Man, that's annoying. Yeah, this is weird. Anyway. What, uh, what was saying? the last? What was the last thing you heard me say? Um, that it's over the next two years. No, wait, that doesn't make any sense. That's more than he would have been getting. Okay, so he has uh, fully guaranteed uh, ten. Since we're cutting this out, I'm just gonna back up. Yeah, go uh, ahead. So he has twenty one point five in total guarantees, uh, with twenty million guaranteed over the next two seasons. So this basically is a two year. $20 million contract with, you know, one and a half million in guarantees over the f- two years after that. So this is essentially, hey, Devontae Parker finally broke out for us. We could give him two more years to see if he could, you know, 
keep it up. And if not, it's essentially wipe your hands and he's gone. So I think this is a great deal for them. They definitely have the money to spend. Um, he's a homegrown talent, first round pick. Um, hopefully it works out for him because they need they need players to really step up. Um, and he's flashed in the past. So uh, hopefully this was uh, this was him finally putting it all together. Um, nah, fuck him. <laughs> fuck Miami. <laughs> fuck, uh, fuck everyone on the team. Fuck the city. Uh, fuck them all to death. <laughs> I actually, uh, I went to a college game that he played in, and I remember watching him play back in the day. Where did he go to college? Uh, Louisville. Louisville? Louisville. 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 Uh, I have been corrected many times that... It is essentially just one consistent R, and that's how you pronounce Louisville. Yeah, it's just one big low R sound. Oh, oh. Yeah, that is that is great uh, audio right there. People are gonna love that. Yeah, don't you? You know, you know the bats, Louisville Slugger. <laughs> so he was taken 14th overall in the 2015 draft. Let's see who they could have had otherwise. They could have had Nelson Aguilar, Brashad. Pena. We're not going down this rabbit hole right now. I know. I'm just saying that was a bad draft for wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. You mean Nelson Aguilar is not tearing up the league right now? Oh, uh, you know who uh, was the uh, fourth wide receiver taken in that draft? Devin Smith oh. by the Jets. Mm. Oh, God. What Did happened he- to him? Nothing. He never got on the field. Oh, well, I guess I nothing. Say- he was hurt the whole time. Can I go on a tangent and look up his stats? Go right ahead. Uh, his career stats over three seasons, uh, 18 games played, five games started, 40 targets, 15 receptions for 248 yards and two touchdowns. I genuinely don't remember him in a uniform. I genuinely, I know he went to Ohio State. I don't remember him from college at all. And I don't remember a single thing he did in the NFL. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, it's a shame, but can't always work out. Nope. All right. Any final thoughts? Uh, no. All right, then we'll be getting out of here. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at Juicing the Numbers. And if you want to find show notes, uh, check out juicingthenumbers.wixsite.com slash website. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.